Welcome to the Select Star Podcast, your resource for innovative technology, developer topics, and more. Here's your host, Margo McCabe from the HarperDB team. All right, so welcome everyone to the Select Star Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. Um, we've got a, another great guest today that I'm super excited about. Um, his name is Pato. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I forgot to check with you. <laughs> yeah, that was perfect, actually. Okay. Yeah. My actual name is too complicated to uh, to pronounce, so my name is actually Patricio. Okay. Uh, but it's just easier to say Pato. It actually means duck, quack, quack, like the animal. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, I did know that. Yeah. That's cool. I, I love Patricio, too. Those are both, both great names. So, um, but anyway, thanks for joining us. Um, Pato is tuning in from New York today. And we connected on Twitter a little while back um, about getting him onto the podcast to talk about some different things, including improving user experience with customer engagement strategies, um, things like that. But before we get started, we'd love to hear a little bit on kind of your background, your journey into tech, what you're doing now, things like that. Yeah, for sure. So I actually got into tech um, around... 12 years ago, um, and I decided to, to change paths and career. And now I'm a software engineer. I got a computer science degree. Um, I went to school in Georgia, the state of the country. And now after a few years of being a software engineer and helping the community, I realized that what I like to do is um, sharing my knowledge and learning from others. So now I'm a developer advocate. Uh, for a company called OneSignal, but um, I I do all kind of stuff from open source, giving giving talks. I contribute on Stack Overflow as well, and um, and I write articles. And I mainly play with like different technologies. I, I don't like to focus on one technology. So at the end of the day, I think my brain is still a software engineer. So um, I don't like to, to just to call myself, I'm a React developer or an Angular developer. You know, I think as a software engineer, we have to have the capacity to flex between technology to solve a given problem. Awesome. That, that all makes sense. Um, what you were saying at the end there makes me curious because I know some people do really like to, to focus on, you know, JavaScript developer, as you said, React engineer. Um, is there any, do you go through different ebbs and flows of, you know, a current language or framework that you're liking more or focusing more on? Or do you try to jump around to stay pretty agnostic in that realm? So, um, you know, back in the days, I was like pretty solid with Angular and to the point that Google gave me the uh, the Google developer expert in Angular web technologies. Oh, cool. But on the web is more than just Angular, right? That's the reason why I decided to play with different technologies like React, um, Lit Element, and Web Components. Um, so I don't think people should choose a tool for every web application. Right, every web application is different and based on your needs and the capacity of your team uh, to learn one technology or the other. That's the tool that you should choose. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it because otherwise, you know, you're probably kind of limiting yourself. I mean, of course, when you're first starting out and learning, you have to choose one or two to focus on when you're just learning. But um, I think 
progressing across your career, it makes sense to try to diversify so that you can kind of pick the right tool or framework for your specific project. That's something our team talks about a lot, you know, being a database company is there's hundreds of databases out there. And um, it's really just about empowering the developer to pick whatever the right tool is for that specific project or use case or their specific goals. So there's, you know, in most, if not all cases, there's really not an end all be all. There's not like one framework and one database and one, you know, cloud, things like that, that will solve all your problems. So I think that's a good way to look at it. Uh, and that's a really good point because as developer advocates, um, you know, you have to be honest with your audience and your community. You you shouldn't be like, oh, my tool is the best tool out there. You know, that's that's not true. Um, right. <laughs> I mean, it might be the one that you're most familiar with, but um, you should have the ability to recognize what are the advantages and the disadvantages of the, the tool that you're advocating for. Right. Yeah, I think I think giving the pros and cons of something you're advocating for or giving here's, you know, use cases we're great for, here's use cases that maybe other tools would be a better fit for. I think that's a really great great way to just be more relatable and not be like I'm just trying to sell this thing and I don't care if <laughs> it's a great way to, you know, show the community that you understand um the value add. Um so yeah, I think I think that's a great way to look at it. So um, cool. It's 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 awesome to hear about your background. Um, have you have you always lived in New York? Are you from there? No, I'm actually Mexican. As you can tell, okay. I have an accent. Um, so I'm from Mexico. I moved to the U.S. ten years ago. Oh, cool. And um, I lived in Georgia. Then I lived in New York. Then I lived in Florida. Oh wow! And I moved back to New York a week ago. So oh wow, <laughs> lots going on. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Kind of wanted to switch off between the the colder weather and get some Florida beach weather, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? So basically, I got a I got a new job and um and I just needed to be here in New York okay. City, which, you know, I'm not going to complain. I love New York. I miss it. Um so yeah. perfect timing yeah. to come back after the pandemic. Yeah. I I used to visit New York a lot more for work. Um and visiting, I haven't been in a long time, but I know everyone always says you have to try living in New York City at least once, at least while you're still young and still have the energy to do it. So it's definitely something I used to have more higher up on my bucket list, but um, I mean, I love visiting. It's such a cool city. So awesome. Well, yeah, I guess we can kind of jump into some of the main topics for today. So I know you wanted to share a little bit about um, increasing user experience with customer engagement strategies and talk about segments, push notifications, service workers. So um, just right off the bat, I, I'm curious about, you know, what are service workers, what those can do, um, how that helps with in, improving customer experience. Yeah, for sure. So um, FYI, hopefully uh, I can talk about service workers in like 20 minutes because I can talk about them all day. <laughs> right. Um, I love them so much. I think service workers revolutionized um, the web, right? So essentially, service workers are a script that runs in the background of your browser, right? And service workers have revolutionized the web and user experience and, and customer strategies and user engagements in several ways, right? And one cool thing about the service workers is that because they run in the background, of your application, they allow you 
to do certain things that your application without them shouldn't be able or couldn't be able to do, right? For example, service worker has a capacity of using the background API, uh, do caching. Um, you can use the service workers to use your web application offline, right? And you can use your service workers to receive push notifications. So essentially, the, the way it works, let's pretend that you have a web application, you know, it's just a plain JavaScript application. Don't worry about React, Angular, or nothing like that. Just plain JavaScript and HTML and CSS. So with service workers, right, um, you are giving superpowers to your web app. So one day, it happened to me, this is like true story. Um, I was uh, working with a client that had customers all around the world. And most of these customers, they actually lived in third world countries, meaning they probably didn't have a reliable connection, right? So with that being said, we need to find a way to, to make these um, applications work in, in places with low connection and we had to increase the user experience. So that's when we found out about service workers and progressive web applications. So we converted or um, web apps into progressive web applications, right? And they, for my personal opinion, the core um, tool, right, for PWS are the service workers. So thanks to the caching strategies, right, we were able to cache uh, the assets, we were able to cache the, um, the files, we were able to cache your code, meaning, the first time that you go into a web application, it's gonna take, just to say something, three seconds. The second time, the third time, and so on, is just gonna load almost instantly, right? So you see where I'm going. So now the people were, um, where they live with a low internet connection, now they have the advantage of loading their website without even having a reliable connection. So now that was one problem. The second problem was, <clears throat> How we will do on um, working with application when it's completely offline, right? So that's when we use the service workers with the background sync API. The background sync API essentially allows you to work with your application like you will normally do, right? So let's pretend that you have a table of users, right, of students and you want to make a modification to the table, right? If you're working offline, then you're not gonna be able to interact with the data, right? But thanks to the background sync API and the caching strategies, what it happens is when you're online, you pull the data. So you, in this case, you pull all your students. Once you have pulled all your students, they're gonna be cached in your application. So now you can interact with them. You can um, edit, you can update, you can delete the student, right? But you are actually right now in that in, in a place where you don't have a connection to the internet. So you might be wondering, well, I'm deleting this user. I see it going away. But if I'm offline, how is the database knowing about this, right? How is my server being aware of, of this change? So it actually, it doesn't know. At that moment, it doesn't know. So what happens is that the background sync API detects when you get internet connection. And in that moment, sends a request of this the, the database. Now, finally, um, the database gets updated, and now everyone else sees the updated records. Of course, you have to contemplate some um, 
caching strategies and how to manipulate and contemplate scenarios when uh, people update data and they might have um, old data and things like that, but that's um, a different topic. But yeah, um, that's something really cool that you can do with service workers. And also you can even cache uh, requests. For example, sometimes you go into a website, right? And there's a time that you are, let's say, I'm just gonna give you the same example about the, the students. Most likely the students are not gonna change throughout the, the, the year, right? You always gonna have your 20 students in your class. And if they don't change, why do you need to be pulling the data all the time? So you can use caching strategies with service workers to only pull the data once. And maybe you can even um, write some logic or code around it that um, every two weeks you pull the, daily, the latest data. So that's something else that you can do with, with service workers. Okay, that's a, that's a really great overview. And I can, I can definitely see how you could dive pretty deep into that topic and kind of, you know, go on about it. So I think it's sometimes, you know, I, I, I struggle with that. I think everyone struggles with that. When you know a lot about something, it's hard to give like the surface overview because you're passionate and excited about it. But I think that, I mean, that was super helpful. I think that's a great um, high level explanation. And I, sorry, I had myself on mute. My dogs are like running around in the background. So I was, I was agreeing and nodding with you, but, um, but just trying to keep it quiet on my end. So, um, so, so I understand, you know, so we understand now what service workers are, what they can do. So, um, I'm curious about kind of like implementation or at what point in a project or in a company or with an application does, does a developer or a team say, here's a good time to introduce a service worker or have we thought about this? You know, what, what would that process look like? Is it something you kind of need to decide from the beginning? Is it something that happens at a certain point in production when you're talking about, you know, connectivity and things like that? Or, or what are like some good, um, I guess for people listening, like if they are familiar, or if they aren't familiar, if they're wondering if they might need it, like what are some good things they can look out for? That's a great question. So the cool thing about service workers is that you can introduce them at any point in your application, right? Um, if you care about performance, which I hope you do. <laughs> um, you may want to introduce service workers and caching strategies, right? Uh, that's the basic thing that you can do with a service worker. Just to create a caching, for example, you can have um, a web application and a cache the shell of your app. And what do I mean with shell? I mean, for example, the navigation bar, the footer, uh, some images and things like that that are always going to be there. So that's what I mean with shell. So you can by default cache that. Right, uh, you can cache your CSS, um, your JavaScript files, and so on. The cool thing about service worker workers is that they actually work with any web um, framework or, or library. You can um, use them with React, Vue, Angular, Svelte, you name it, they work, right? Um, the major browsers nowadays, they support service workers, so you don't have to worry about, um, about that aspect as well. What else? What else? Um, when would you incorporate the service workers? I try to do it at the beginning just because I already know that I want to make my application performant. But I mean, if you do it at the end or in the middle of your application, that's that's fine. Um, I think you should definitely just take advantage of them. And they they are there for a reason. If you want to make your application more performant, which if you make it more performant, this is going to help you with SEO. Right, um, because now I don't know if, if you knew, but uh, Google announced that 
now it doesn't matter if if you have this perfect SEO implementation on your website, it matters as well how performant it is, right? So if you have this awesome implementation of SEO on your website, but it's not performant, then it's not going to be at the top of the list of Google searches, right? Um, so that's something that you have to think about. Service workers are not for um, offline usage only. I mean, if you want to um, engage with your users using push notifications, then you need a service worker by default. Why? Because think about it this way. If you close your application, right, your web app, um, sometimes let's say that you go into twitter.com and you, know, you subscribe to the notification from Twitter and one day you're not actually um, using Twitter, you have it closed. You're, you don't even have the website open. But for, for somehow, for some reason, you are still getting the notifications. That actually happens thanks to the service worker. So the, the service worker is, I like, I like to say that it's asleep, you know, and then he gets um, like a poke from the server, like he's poking the shoulder, like, hey, service worker, wake up. Uh, there's something coming for you. And that's the actual notification, the push notification. The cool thing about the, the service worker is that um, he wakes up and notifies your device hey, there's a push notification, then uses the, the push notification um, API to actually display it, right? So that's how you can interact um, with your users and create the, and increase the, the user engagement um, strategies using the service workers and push notifications, right? Without the service worker, you're not able to use the push notifications. I don't want you to, to confuse push notifications with notifications. A lot of people confuse them. They're very similar, but they are not the same. So I'm just gonna tell you a little bit about them really quick. So push notifications, essentially, they come from the server. They get a signal from the server to be sent to in a specific device or, or segments, right? And notifications, they come from the app itself, meaning they don't need the server or someone else or a third-party server to send the, the, the notification or whatever to trigger them, right? The, the notifications, they come from the app itself. You can show a notification when you click on a button or just to show a message or something like that. But the push notification needs to come from a server. Okay, that makes sense. And um, yeah, it's, it's funny you bring up that difference because every time I have a new app or log into something, that's like the first question they ask, right? Is do you want to enable push notifications. And that's always a big decision of, well, do I want this to ping me? How important is this? And it's, I mean, it's nice now that it's just so common to have that option to turn that on and off because I, I can't even think of when that became so, um, so prevalent, but it's just kind of like second nature now is like, okay, sure. I'll turn those on, turn those off. But, um, so it's interesting to learn a bit about what's behind that. Um, so, okay. So, I'm just trying to go along in the journey of, you know, understanding what service workers are, helping people understand when or why they might need them. So then let's say that people are at the point um, in their journey where they decide that they do, you know, want to use service workers, which I'm sure is something that most people come across at some point or another, as you said, if they want to improve performance, things like that with their app. So what would be kind of the best next step? I mean, how can someone go through that decision-making process of, you know, where do I get started? Who do I contact? What do I do? 
Um, what do I need to have ready on my end? Things like that. Just to, you know, I'm just trying to think of it as if like, this is a new app developer or something that doesn't really know much about it. And they're just like going to Google, like, how do I get a service worker <laughs> implemented? Like what's kind of the, the best path there? Yeah, so the best path is to um, just Google it, go to Stack Overflow, copy, paste, and you're done. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so, no, essentially, um, I mean, it's really simple. All you have to do is to create a JavaScript file, right? And there are a lot of resources actually made by Google, um, by Google developers that show you how to create your first service worker and how to integrate into your web application, right? So what do you need in order for you to get started with a service worker. You need a web app. You need uh, your HTML, CSS, and your service worker file. Your service worker file is separate than your other JavaScript files. So just keep that in mind. So technically, you don't even need a um, JavaScript file besides the, the service worker one if you want to start caching your application because maybe you just have a, a website that has HTML and CSS, and you want to do some caching strategies, then just use the service worker file, right? And usually, the majority of the times, a service worker lives in the root of your web application, right? And uh, from there, that's where you specify, hey, I want to cache the index HTML. I want to cache um, the styles and things like that. From there, I think that um, you will have to determine if you have a bigger application, if you want to do any caching strategies around the API calls, right? And then if you already have the API calls, perfect. If you don't have them, then you're gonna have to wait because what are you gonna cache if you don't really even have the, the server or the API working in the, in the backend um, for you to cache that, right? Um, that's one thing to consider and the, other thing is that you have to think about is how performant is your application, right? If it's really performant, maybe you don't want to worry about service workers, right? But maybe if you want to engage with your users, then using push notifications is a great way to engage with them, which means you're gonna need a service worker, right? If you want to increase the user experience, not only with performance, but with accessibility, then Use a, use a service worker. Um, and what do I mean with accessibility? I mean, if you live in a place like I was mentioning with low connection and also thanks to service workers, you can make your application a PWA, which is a progressive web application, which means it can be installed in your, com in your computer or any device without the need of going through um, Apple Store or Google Play or whatever. So I think a service worker essentially um, is gonna start like really tiny. Mm -hmm. And as your application grows, you're gonna be adding more things to it. You're gonna make it bigger and more robust. And that's when um, Google realized when they came up to this problem that there's something else that they could do about it. Mm -hmm. And they came, up, they came up with this library called Workbox. Okay. Basically Workbox is a library that um, makes your development for service workers easier, right? All the, all the templating that you have to keep writing over and over and over with a service worker, Workbox does it for you, right? Similar to, for example, I'm just gonna, just to give a little bit of context, um, back in the days when people were using React and Redux, it was a lot of boilerplate. 
Now there's Redbox uh, Toolkit, right? Which makes things right. easier for you, easier development. That's essentially Workbox. Okay. Interesting. And so, yeah, that was kind of what I was going to touch on next is, you know, the community of support and resources. I know you mentioned a lot of Google developers have um, put out some some really great helpful content around that. So is there are there any specific interactive communities that you recommend people get involved with if they have questions about troubleshooting or developing their service workers? Um, I know some people just take to Twitter and like try to tweet at the right person that might be knowledgeable about it, or maybe there's a Discord community, just kind of curious, um, you know, what would be your recommendations if people have questions or they're stuck or they just want to like stay in the know about, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of a specific topic. So I don't, I'm, I don't know that there's like, it, you would know better than me if there's a specific like service worker Slack channel, but um, just on, you know, on a broader spectrum, like what type of communities might be a good fit for that type of troubleshooting? Yeah, for sure. So any JavaScript community, community right? Um, mm -hmm. I think uh, the majority of the people based on a survey that I did on Twitter, they know what a service worker is, right? right? Um, but a lot of people don't know how to use them, which is something different, right? One thing is right. being aware of it, and one thing is knowing <laughs> how to use it. Um, Stack Overflow, great resource. Uh, there's a website uh, made by Google called web.dev. Okay. which is awesome. Web.dev, they have um, a lot of tutorials around service workers, PWAs, uh, CSS, and other things. Dev.to, which is the blogging platform, has several blog posts around uh, push notifications and service workers and other toolings around the service workers and the APIs. I actually have written, if I'm not mistaken, like four or five articles around service workers. So I'm like fairly familiar with them. Um, so if you want to like, you know, tweet me, feel free to do it. Don't don't send me a DM just because I like to, to keep these kind of conversations uh, public for everyone else to see for several reasons. Because one, I want more people to, to learn and see what we're talking about. And also for people to correct me if I'm saying something wrong. So that's a that's a good way to put it. Um I think a lot of times different advocates and, and people in the community are good at recognizing that um, if someone has a question about something, I'm sure tons of other people have the same question. So it's better to just kill multiple birds with one stone and just um, put that out there in public so other people can see. So I definitely agree with that. Um, I'll be sure to link to your dev.2 um, blog in the show notes as well. Um, we're big fans of dev. I think it's a great place to write blogs and interact and ask questions. Um, I, I love just following like the discuss channel on there and seeing what kind of questions people throw out. And sometimes it's like hundred person long thread <laughs> discussing different topics. So I think that's a really great community too. Um, so I'll be sure to include all those different resources, but I think it's really interesting, you know, what you said about how majority of people know what a service worker is, but not many know how to use it, how to implement it. Um, you know, I was kind of in a similar boat when we first started chatting. I was like, I, you know, I definitely have a basic understanding, but I've never really had an in-depth conversation about it. So, um, you know, it's always good to take a deep dive on a topic that I'm sure a lot of people are curious about. Um, so that's super helpful. So is there is there anything else, you know, around that that you'd want to share? Um, I mean, we could also kind of like shift focus and talk a little bit about you personally and, and your journey into tech, if you have any 
specific tips for devs out there that are listening that might want to have a similar career path as you or get into similar technologies, um, whatever you think might be helpful? Yeah, for sure. So I just want to touch base around um, the service workers a little bit. So basically, one of the problems that I see why people don't know how to actually implement a service worker mm-hmm. is because they don't know all the advantages. That's one. Second of all, a lot of tooling out there, they create the service worker for you. Right. Right. For example, um, for push notifications, there's multiple companies that provide uh, this service, right, of push notifications, like OneSignal, uh, Farbase, Twilio, and so on, right? And at least for, um, I'm 100% sure that at least for Farbase and OneSignal, they provide you the service worker already, right? It's already made for you, so you don't really have to worry about um, implementing it unless you want to, you know, work with the caching strategies and the background sync API and whatever else. But if you just want to do the, um, you know, uh, do the service worker that allows you to receive the push notifications, they already did it for you. You don't have to worry about it. Um, so, so I think that's, that's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Because people don't really understand like what's happening behind the scenes. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, I mean, but also at the same time, it has the advantages that someone already made it for you, right? Mm-hmm. The other thing that um that I want to make people aware of is if I'm not mistaken, create React app, right? Creates the service worker for you already. Um and then Angular, right? There's a command in the CLI that you can type in order to convert your Angular application into a PWA. Once you type this command, it generates a service worker for you. Right. So you go back to the circle of, you know, um, of not knowing how to actually implement one by yourself right. um, or from scratch. So just keep that in mind. So, you know, service workers essentially are very tiny. They're really simple to implement. Um, they can get more complex as your application grows. So make sure to take a look to Warbox. And that's what I want to share. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I'm sure it's, you know, it's kind of that... Um, common common debate of well if there are tools that are providing this out of the box and I don't really have to know much about it and I can just click the button and and not you know just have it implemented right there I'm sure that works for a lot of people but having an actual understanding and doing it yourself then you can make changes and um, you know understand how that function is working so I think probably taking a little bit of extra time to learn has larger benefits later on um, even if it takes a little more time and effort up front. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And and honestly, like a lot of people don't know about uh, um, like any website that you go into and they use push notifications, mm-hmm. they have a service worker, right? Doesn't matter if it's even WordPress. Even if it's a WordPress right. site, they are using uh, uh, service workers. So it doesn't really have to be even just like a modern JavaScript framework in order right. for you to use uh, service workers. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was actually just thinking about that when you were saying, right before you said WordPress, I was like, well, I know we use some um, pushes and pop-ups on WordPress for marketing and things like that. And you don't, Yeah, you don't even really think about what the functionality is on the back end that allows um, those notifications to happen. So that's really interesting. Um, awesome. Well, yeah, I think 
that's a great kind of final note and a great starting point for people listening and, um, you know, just getting the conversation going. And as you said, there's tons of resources you've put out and other people have put out on this topic. So, um, don't ever be afraid to ask if you have questions still after listening to this. Um, and as Pato said, don't be afraid to reach out to him on Twitter, things like that. But, um, yeah, so, um, I always like to ask people as well, just kind of a fun topic. Um, I always like to ask if there's any technologies or apps or anything that you're like super excited about, you know, separate from the service worker conversation, but it's always fun for me and listeners to learn about like a new tool or new software, or new framework or something and why you might be excited about it. I don't know if you have anything top of mind, but, um, obviously in the tech industry, there's like so many choices, but is there anything coming out soon or anything that came out recently or, or something you recently discovered that you're super excited about right now? Um, I think something that excites me more and more and more is uh, PWAs, uh, okay. Progressive Web Applications. I'm a, I'm a fanboy of those. <laughs> and the cool thing about PWAs are, um, is that, you know, it's be, they're making the web more accessible. And Google, Microsoft, and other companies, they invest millions of dollars a year to make this technology better, right? Um, so hopefully in the next few years, uh, PWAs become more, more normalized, if I would say it, right? Um, especially because like there's a lot of companies who use PWAs and you don't even know. Twitter is a PWA. Uh, Tinder. The dating app is a PWA. Starbucks um, uses PWAs. CSX, the train company, uses PWAs. Uh, Nike uses PWAs. Oh my God, I can I can like keep going, you know. Um, <laughs> all <the big> players. <laughs> yeah, all the big players. Uh, Microsoft uses PWAs as well. So, so I think that's that's a good sign, mm-hmm. right? I think uh, it's a sign that big companies are caring about performance and user experience. So I'm like super excited about that. Yeah, I think that's a good one. And I'm I'm just curious, um, you know, for those listening, if they're not from, I'm sure most people are familiar with PWAs, but how is that, how are those different from what people were using before? I mean, was Twitter always a progressive web app? Did they transition more into that as that became more popular? Like how, what are the main differences and, and how can that improve performance more? Yeah, so um, answering your first question about Twitter being a PWA from the beginning, I don't know the answer, but I would say no, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I would say that they transitioned into a PWA and like I said, one of the advantages is that you can install the application in your in your device, right? Right. Um, just keep in mind that you know Apple likes to block certain technologies, and sometimes they make things complicated for PWAs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, you know, if you're using Chrome, um, Brave, Firefox, you should be able to to install a PWA into your device. Um, what else? Um, and I think these companies decided to move towards PWAs because they, they like I was telling you, they care about uh, user experience and, and performance, right? Right. Now, they, now it's not like, oh, Facebook is only used in the USA or Twitter is only used in the USA. Twitter is used worldwide. 
mm-hmm. right? So meaning that there's people in Mexico that they want to use Twitter, but their internet connection is not that good. And so they want, you know, they want to increase their user audience. So Twitter decided to, you know, maybe create a PWA for that reason, you know, right. um, and just to help, I think just PWAs involve just user experience. A really cool, cool thing about PWAs is that you can also leverage the fact that it's a web app, right? Meaning you can use it for SEO. Mm-hmm. And this is what I mean. A mobile, a mobile web application built with Android or Swift for iOS, you're not able to implement SEO, right? Um, but with a PWA, you're able to do that, right? And the advantage of a PWA is that you install it in your, in your device, but you can also search for it in your, in your browser and people are going to be able to find it because you implemented SEO strategies instead of your progressive web application. So that's something super cool, right? Um, what else, what else that I can think of? Um, oh yes, another advantage of PWAs is that they don't have to go through a review process um, like applications in the Google Play Store or Apple Store, uh, right? So essentially you have a website Convert it into a PWA and you can launch it. The same way you launch your, your site and you don't have to ask permissions to anyone to publish it, it's the same thing with a PWA. Where with a um, with a Android application or with a iOS application, you essentially have to ask Google and Apple permission to pull to put it in their um, in their app store, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a big advantage because that whole process can just be time consuming as it is. And there's, as you said, there's different reasons to, to get blocked and things like that. So um, yeah, I mean, it seems like it's, it's kind of the future, even though that's a cheesy way to put it, but <laughs> everyone's moving that direction. So it makes sense. Um, that's, that's super interesting. Um, well, I know we only have a couple minutes left here and this has been a really helpful conversation. Um, is there any last points you want to share um, for people listening, you know, any, any sign off on, on what our conversation was or anything new you want to share, um, not to put you on the spot, but just, just seeing if there's any final comments you have that might be um, helpful for the audience. Um, not really. I mean, I think I already touched on the, the main points. Um, just to just make sure that you take, um, take advantage of the technology that, that we have now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there's amazing people in the industry like um, Alex Russell. Right. He he's like a genius. He's I'm um, I'm a huge fan of him. He literally helps so much um, the web developers. Right. And make mm-hmm. the web to what it is now. Right. Um, so so you know these people in the industry that are like super smart. They created these tools to make our life easier. Right. To make the life easier for our users. So take advantage of them, um, right. use them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a simple but really good point that I think people forget sometimes is um, often there's a simpler solution to something that seems really challenging and daunting because all these awesome, um, intelligent people in the community have already built all the plugins and technologies and SDKs and whatever it might be that you need that can um, often provide a pretty big shortcut. So I think that's a good reminder is just go check what's out there, ask around, um, 
you know, don't be afraid to, to utilize. It's not cheating or anything. No one judges you for using, <laughs> for using technology. That's the point, And that's why it's built. So I think that's a great reminder. Um, well, awesome. Thank you so much. This has been a really interesting conversation. As I mentioned, I'll put different information and your contact info in the show notes. Um, for those listening, you can usually access select star wherever you like to listen to your podcast. We're on pretty much all the, all the platforms. I don't need to name them all, but, um, really appreciate your time and, um, thanks for listening and we will see you next time. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to Select Star, your resource for innovative technology and developer topics. You can find our episodes in all the usual places, Spotify, Apple, Google, RSS, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, comment, subscribe, and share. You can learn more about HarperDB at harperdb.io.